In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, I am super excited to talk to Pat Egan, CEO of Seize Candies, the chocolatier that we all love. Pat, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Bobby. Looking forward to this. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I know uh, things can get really busy. So again, appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with our listeners here. A lot of pressure on the organization, but uh, we're humming this year. It's looking pretty good. That is awesome. That is awesome. Tell us a little bit before we really get uh, into some of the questions. If you don't mind giving us a little glimpse about you, yourself, and then we'll go into Seize Candies. I mean, most people know about Seize Candies, but just to learn a little bit more about the brand as well. So for me, uh, this is actually uh, my uh, third year on the job as of next week. Uh, I started here in late 2018 and have enjoyed every bit of it with a couple of asterisks around COVID, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. But the sum of it for me is that, you know, and I say this regularly to our folks, is our job is to make people happy. And we get to do that every day. And you're going to ask me about the longevity of our people. And and part of the answer is we take care of our people. But our, that connection between our people and our customers, and it's not just in retail, it's because we are actually a manufacturer as well. Our people just take so much pride in being able to make this wonderful candy that, uh, thanks for the shout out, seizes a great brand and has been for now 100 years. And so it's truly a joy. And, and uh, it sounds trite in some places, but it's not here. It's just we have a lot of fun doing what we do. And uh, we have so many customers that just adore us. And we're actually growing new customers, which is also a lot of fun. That's awesome. What brought you initially to the brand? What, what got you intrigued to join? Well, uh, I mean, it's uh, there's there's a, a few few parts and pieces to it, but just you know the the opportunity. Um, I was born in San Francisco. I'm a West Coast guy. Um, who doesn't love C's candies? And uh, my predecessor. Uh, so I'm Berkshire Hathaway acquired C's candies in 1972, and in that time there have been three count of three uh, CEOs. So Chuck, who was here for 33 years, and he had been general manager of the business before that. Brad Kinsler, who was my immediate predecessor, was with us for 13 years. So when Brad retired, I had the opportunity and I was actually in the energy business. So many people think it's a far cry. There's actually a little bit more that translates than you might think uh, between retail and candy and um, the business that I was in. But I was in a Berkshire Hathaway uh, business. And just because of that and because the opportunities I'd been given was presented with, a, hey, what do you think about C's Candies? And um, there's more to it than that, but that was uh, that was kind of the the shortest version of it. So had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn in retail and manufacturing. And uh, the key, as you know, is have the best people you can possibly find. And uh, that's my best contribution. But I've learned a lot. So so Pat, as we as we kind of look into the business and, and industry in general, what are some of the you know what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen at least you know through COVID, if you will, in the, on the consumer behavior side? 
Well, so the the uh, no surprise to your listeners, uh, our e-commerce has grown significantly as an understatement. Actually, this year we will have doubled our volume from 2019. And so the, the short version of what I tell folks is in 2019, we broke a million packages shipped for the first time in company history. This year we anticipate, and a lot is writing in the next few weeks here, we anticipate breaking about 2.2 million. So more than double in a two-year time frame. And uh, that's partly COVID, no doubt. Shopping behaviors have changed somewhat, although uh, we'll get to our retail operation, I'm sure, in a minute. But we've just, I think, gotten a whole lot better at uh, at marketing, and we've tried to leverage social media and have fun with that as well. And our fastest growing demographic right now are 18 to 35-year-olds, and uh, some of them certainly are using e-commerce, but a lot of them are actually coming into shops as well. You have a great experience in your locations. You know, it's one of those things where you come in to get a sample, you love, you know, everyone's always so nice. It's just a great, great atmosphere. What, what's the secret? And, uh, and, you know, honestly, uh, probably seeing the happiest employees, happiest team members, if you will, in the these candies locations. What's the secret? Well, Bobby, I, I don't know how much of, of a secret it necessarily is. I can tell you this. So I actually just yesterday, and this I'm not making this up, my, my first goal was in two years to visit every one of our shops. And COVID, you know, obviously put a pin in that. And as of yesterday, I achieved my goal, but a year later. So um, I got to Albuquerque, New Mexico yesterday and visited Wendy and Amber and the team there. And they're just uh, so many of our, I, I just, I love going into our shops. I learn something every time I go in, you know, wearing a polo and jeans and try to keep it as low key as possible, but I'm there to learn and I'm there to help take care of them. And what you see, what you observe, if you actually were to stand there and just see for an hour, the interaction between our shop teams and our customers, it's like a family reunion, but a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the, the level of connectivity and the first name basis, it's amazing. I tell people this in my, my second or third month on the job, I went into our Santa Monica shop here and uh, Katie Cole, who's our manager there, she's been with us at the time, 27 years. So now actually 30 years. And uh, it was just she and I on a Saturday afternoon and customers coming in and out. And I asked her, what do you love about C's? What do you love about working for us? And she said, well, it's like family. And I thought she was actually talking about her colleagues. And she proceeded to tell me that she said, people will tell me about their divorce. They'll tell me about their sick kids. They'll tell me about they're about to lose their house or whatever. And I said, you're Sam Malone. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a kind of bartender. And it's a story that's repeated itself multiple times, Bobby. So I know I'm going on and on a little bit, but the part of the magic is we, we keep great people in part because we treat our employees very well, but also they get, it's a rush to be able to have that amount of, amount of joy. And because they've been there forever and because our experience is serving something that people want so much, these connections happen and you can't replicate that. I tell people all the time, there's nobody else in this mall that has this level of connectivity with their customers and we jealously guard it, but you can't manufacture it. It's a genuine and real and emotional thing. And that's uh, unique. It's very real. It's very real. And you're, you're right. Now that I think about it, I've always had great discussions <laughs> while I'm in there. You kind of feel comfortable. It's kind of kind of your therapy session as a consumer, I guess. But yeah, I mean, a great. little bit, a little bit. Yeah. We, we should be charging an hourly rate, I guess. But high level, you, you celebrated 100 years of business. Like you said, not a lot of brands can say that. How do you keep that balance between really kind of innovation and keeping that that realness of the brand, that, that company essence, if you will? That's also, I mean, there's so many things we could do hours on C's and, and I'll try to keep it brief, but, you know, just going back to how we started and uh, 1921, Pasadena, uh, California, Mary C., Mary and her son, Charles, uh, immigrants 
from Canada, had just moved down two years ago and had this wonderful product and actually had a little bit of retail experience themselves, opened up a shop and immediately were innovating in those terms, but in real terms. So uh, 1928, we did home delivery. So I tell people, you know, DoorDash, you got nothing on us. Uh, 1922, our, our second year of operation, we started doing mail order through the U.S. mail. So I say, Amazon, you got nothing on us. <laughs> you know, so we, we've been doing this um, to try to figure out what's the easiest way for our customers to get access to our product. And we're still doing that today. But to fast forward, we have always had a premium on the quality of our product and the quality of our service. Technology Maybe not so much. Um, definitely some opportunities. We just installed our first point of sale system, I want to say six years ago, and that's very real. And so taking that now and then leveraging it to things like we just went live with Venmo last week. Now, for a lot of retailers, that's two or three years old, fine, whatever. But for us, we're excited about it because it changes the nature of that conversation. My kids all use Venmo. I try to use it every once in a while. And so we're trying to make that connection to our customer as emotional and real as, as it possibly can be and the transaction as seamless and convenient as it can possibly be. So to get out of the way, get out of our own way and make sure the technology's working for us. We're excited about that. We've installed Klarna last week, um, or last week at online and uh, in shops as well. So just trying to leverage all those tools, but also stay true to who we are. To the brand. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's awesome. What sort of experiences, I mean, I, I can talk about my own experiences, but what sort of experiences do you, can your customers really, what have they told you they enjoy about the brand and the experiences that they get in the store locations? <laughs> Boy, uh, talk about how much time do you have? Um, when I started <laughs> uh, three years ago, it, immediately it was just a flood of friends and family and and, uh, you know, everyone's got their sea story, particularly if you're in the West Coast, the connection between family events, between life events, between, you know, making other people happy, making clients happy, and then making yourself happy. <laughs> so that, that, that connection to happiness is a very real thing. And uh, as, I, as I've said a couple of times, we try to try to make the most of that. But then you add to it some real examples. So um, regularly we have what, what we call custom mix. So you come in at the candy counter, you make your own box. And so we have actually numerous stories where uh, an engagement ring will go into one of the cups in the box. And that's how the wedding proposal happens. Or we have people that come in and I've seen it, um, people that have, have a, a 30 and 40 year old um, heart that they bring to their spouse every year. And that's the box that they, that they bring in and we take care of them, you know? And, and so all of those examples of connections to, to life events are, are very real. And then you add to it, we've got so many fans that have um, massive collections of seized cars and seized candy dishes and, and merch, you know, that is always an opportunity in a commercial sense, but for those customers and, and they're really more fans almost than customers, like that's what they want from us. In addition, to the candy, they want their toys or their uh, their uh, keepsakes, you know, and which is pretty special. That is awesome. That is really awesome. What do you feel like are you know one of the questions that we get a lot from retailers um, that are trying to be as successful really as kind of your brand and otherwise, you know, what are some of the challenges of acquiring kind of new customers today that you feel like you know sees is kind of mastered and advice that you can really give to other retailers? That's a great question. I think. I'm an optimist and I, and I believe very much, you know, in, in not just the future of the company, but, but there's no reason that a hundred year old, yes, we're a hundred years old, but there's no reason that we shouldn't be thinking about 
expanding the brand and introducing. I, I actually feel like it's kind of an obligation. If you don't know C's, it's it's up to us to make sure that you get introduced to this to this wonderful brand. And so part of it is just kind of having that view that, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to make sure we keep and stay true to the customers that we've got now and our employees who've been taking care of them, but also to know that, hey, we got a great future because any, anyone, once you come into the brand, man, you stay. And so just having that view is, is I think, part of it. And then, as I mentioned, you know, taking care of our employees and making sure that that's the key. Having the best product in the world, um, I'm a Jim Collins devotee. That's our hedgehog. That's the core. You have to maintain the quality of the product. And we're better at retail than anybody else. I firmly believe that in terms of the experience and in terms of taking care of those customers. And that happens because we have such good people. And, um, you know, obviously we have new employees and we have employment challenges like everybody else does, but we have so many store managers who've been for us, been with us for 20 and 30 and 40 years. That's the key to it. You can't make that up. You can, you can't greenfield a business and create a 30 or 40 year employee. You just can't. No, totally. I don't think too many brands can actually say they've had that average tenure be that long, right? Which is, you know, from, from what I, and keep me honest here, uh, average tenure of uh, employees at Seas is about two decades. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, the, sh- the short thing that I'd add to it. So we have, we're, we're both a manufacturer and a retailer. So um, the average in our plants is about 18 to 19 years. The average in retail is just a couple of years south of that. So we're in the, the high teens. But that that also includes, we, we count as our permanent employees, um, a lot of our seasonals that are truly maybe not permanent employees because our business fluctuates so much. So that includes those numbers. But we have a lot of people that just keep coming back year after year after year. And uh, it's uh, that's pretty amazing. And you said it yourself, you said, you know, it's really because you take care of the employees. It's a great experience. They love coming into work, et cetera. But what are some, uh, what are some, you know, uh, I guess more you know, tangible components of, of workforce management that other brands can learn from? Like, what are some things that you, uh, that you believe in as a brand and do uh, to be able to keep employees so happy? Well, you kind of start with uh, with culture. Um, who are we and what are we trying to do? And uh, our motto from the get go was uh, quality without compromise. And we mean it you know, like we'll. If a run of candy, for whatever reason, doesn't quite look right, yeah, we'll let's start over and we don't send that out to shops. We also, I think, have a really strong, particularly in retail, a really strong culture of keeping our people informed and making sure that they know what's going on in the rest of the business. Um, our Sea Breeze, which is our, our uh, newsletter, uh, which we try to keep them informed on fun things that are happening because I get this all the time in shops. When I'm out in shops, they want to know what's going on in production. Do we have any new equipment? Is there any, are there any changes there? And same in our plants. When I'm in our plants, which I'm in one of them today, they want to know how sales are going or what the new technology is. So trying to connect, um, which is also kind of unique and fun to be able to uh, inform, you know, our employees about what's going on in the rest of the business. That's part of it. So uh, there, there are a lot of parts and pieces to it, Bobby, but, uh, but part of it's just kind of staying on top of it and making sure that, that the culture stays true to what it is. The other thing I'd add to it is, um, you know, a hundred year old company. We have great fortune to be able to, to be able to say that we're starting our, our, our second century, but, you know, take absolutely nothing for granted. I tell people this all the time, and it's not a knock on Radio Shack because some of my favorite toys as a kid were Radio Shack started in 1921 too. And uh, I know they still kind of functionally exist out there, sort of in, in name, but not quite the same. And so you can't take you can't take anything for granted. You have to continually try to reinvent yourself. So that's on the employee side, but on the customer side, what are what are some some keys to keeping your customers happy? Because I know, again, 
I mean, they always say as, as your employees are, are, are happy and they're great, you know, they love the brand. They're going to make your customers happy. But in, in general, what are some of the keys that you uh, that you think your team does to keep your customers happy? It's similar. Um, keeping the same standards. We have the same recipes. We make to a certain taste and a palate. We don't add preservatives to our product, which makes us unique. There's no, the, to my knowledge, there's not another confectioner out there that can say of our size that um, basically it's fresh like bread. And our customers who have been with us longer than our employees, their whole lives, they know what that piece tastes like. They know what the California brittle tastes like. They know what the uh, Bordeaux tastes like. And if there's anything off about it, I'm thankful for this. They will let us know. It's rare. But it does happen every once in a while if there's something that um, is not quite right. And so that's part of our process, too, is to make sure as we're manufacturing that we're holding ourselves to a standard and that we know that, hey, guys, this this has to stay true because if it goes off, we'll lose customers. And that's, you know, that's the business. So it's maintaining that 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 high level of quality. And then I would say because it's our centennial and we've introduced one new product each month for the last 12 months. You can't rest on your laurels and you have to, we're never going to be necessarily a trendsetter out on the bleeding edge, but we should never assume that we're done, you know, making, you know, all of our flavors and, or our products. And so we've really challenged ourselves to figure out what is, what is next? What are they looking for? And sometimes it's a slightly reinvented of the same piece. Our, our January piece this year was a butterscotch, uh, but with dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate, which does, doesn't sound like a big shift. I'm telling you, that's probably the most popular piece in addition to our salted caramel that we've introduced this this year because it's such a great candy to begin with. And now you match it with dark chocolate. We have a whole new set of fans for just that piece. You're making me want to go visit a Caesar right now. I'm getting <laughs> that's hungry. Kind of, that's kind of the point, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Pat, from your experience uh, leading a company through the pandemic, as you said, you know, what it's it's hopefully one of the things that it's, it's kind of one and done and we don't have to see again in our lifetime, if you will. But what would you say are the three kind of skills, I guess, brick and mortar retailers can really learn from some of these challenging times and how they can, you know, how they can make themselves better as a brand and as a company? Well, just writing this down. So take care of your customer. Always take care of your customer and listen to them. Innovate. Figure out, and boy, if we had all of us, not I'm not going to say particular to C's, everyone in retail has had to make adjustments that you never would have thought of when you know January 2020 came around. And then communicate. The amount of information that's out there for anyone is so overwhelming that you have to be really rifle sharp in how you're communicating with your employees and really demanding for at every level, management and then us uh, as we're communicating out with employees to make sure that they're aware of what's what's going on out there, what's going on with C's, what are the changes out there. So it's uh, it's uh, all of those things and many more, but um, but it's a, a lot of adjusting and then making sure that your, uh, your, your folks are aware of those adjustments as you go. Because you can lose people really quick if you're doing something and they don't understand it or agree with it. You have to really kind of hold their hand and make sure they understand what you're what you're trying to achieve. One of the things that uh, you know, we get asked a lot is, as you think about opening, and I don't know if this is in in uh, kind of in your path or plans right now, but as you think about opening up new locations, what what goes into that process? What do you think about that. I look at it really similar as as when we're introducing a new piece of candy. We're committed to it. It has to be really good, and it won't settle for we won't settle for second best. So I have a, a varied background, but, you know, 
entering into commercial leases isn't um, I'm certainly familiar with it in my other in my other previous professional life, but entering into it is a different matter because that's on your balance sheet. It's a three to five to seven year uh, commitment and you better make sure it works. And we want and because it's the gateway to our product, we want to make sure we've got the best. Now, I'm familiar enough with uh, others in retail to know that there are some that kind of take the more of a of a shotgun approach, and then we'll 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 winnow it down and see which one of these new stores that we've opened up survives. Not how we look at it at all. We want to make sure if we're going to open a location that because uh, it also speaks to the brand. We're here we're here for the long haul, and if we're going to open up in Bakersfield or we're going to open Boise or we're going to open up in Bend, Oregon, we want to make sure that that location is the best that we can find in that whole town, and we're not going anyplace. So it's a, it's really putting a premium now. Other elements to it: demographics, of course, transportation counts, what the what our what our neighbors are, and and actually kind of unique to us. We want people to be able to park close to the store so they can carry lots of pounds of candy out. Which it sounds like a talking point, but it's real. That's actually part of what we want is access to the car so you can move move the product to the trunk or the back seat. Absolutely, that's great. That's great. You know, we talk about uh, again the brand's hundred years old. You know, the first stores opened in November of 1921. And uh, you recently launched an initiative with your customers to celebrate Centennial called What's Your Street Idea? Can you share a little bit more about that and what all that means? Yeah, sure can. So um, back in, I think, early 2019, we had this idea that, hey, our Centennial's coming up. What are we going to do? And at that point, Bobby, we had only introduced, I think, one new piece of candy in the last like four years. We introduced a couple of different products, but just different iterations of, of what we'd had previously. And I'm not saying that as a knock because it's hard to, we only have so much real estate in our bookcase. And so we had an idea that, Hey, we're going to commit to introducing one new piece of candy every month for the whole, for the whole year. And our production team has had to do a lot of adjustments uh, because, again, to make it right, it actually takes a lot of R and D, and I'm not getting <laughs> R and D applies to candy too. And um, so, the idea that we had was November of 1921 was the month in 1921 that we actually incorporated. And so, the idea that we had was, hey, let's open this up to our customers and see because they'll have good ideas. I know we know that they will. So back in January, um, we developed a kind of a campaign around this and we had the two, the first two bites figured out, but the third we hadn't figured out. So the first was we just open it up and uh, open-ended kind of survey. You tell us what, what flavor would you like or what piece would you like? And so we had almost 13,000 submissions in about a two week period from that. And then a month later, February, we opened it up for another two-ish weeks for our kind of final four of the top four that were both in vote count and that we could make. So we did put a little bit of discretionary judgment on that. That got about 45,000 votes. And so we came out, the the one that's on top, and I can tell you now, um, because uh, it is November, was Coffee Scotch Miller, which uh, just sounded fantastic. And then when we got the first prototypes, it was like, oh my God, this is to die for. But it occurred to me, I was sitting in a real estate meeting back in uh, June, and it occurred to me, you know, we, we didn't ask him milk or dark. And I said, hey, let's get another bite at the apple. So we we put a campaign out there and um, give great credit to our marketing department. We have Team Milk Coffee Scotch Mellow and Team Dark Coffee Scotch Mellow. And so between social media and we've got all these celebrities who are not paid sponsors, they just genuinely love the brand. So we've engaged them and a lot of customers. So we opened that up again. And I think 
I want to say we had another uh, 25,000 or so votes in October and it's open again in November. So I think when it's all said and done, we'll have about 100,000 different votes. And obviously some of the same customers will have voted more than once, but that's a lot of engagement. And at the end of it, we have this wonderful piece that's, oh my God, it's so good. And that was thanks to our customers. They they named the piece for November. So that's your, what's your sweet idea? That's uh, That's so awesome. That's so awesome. What do you think, um, you know, Pat, as you're, you know, uh, as you're kind of thinking through the next few years for Seeds, again, great brand already, but like wh- what's in store? Like, are there other things, plans that you have that you can share? Maybe there's things that you can't share, but you share that, you know, other retailers should also be thinking about. Well, so a couple of things. Um, this sounds, uh, I, I keep kind of going back to this to some degree, but but it's staying true to who we are. And, you know, I'm sure you had other guests that went through this back um, when COVID was kind of at its peak and hopefully it's mostly behind us. You know, real questions about well, what is retail going to look like on the other side of this? And are people going to even want to want to go back out to stores? Forget, you know, the pandemic. They're they're so happy with, you know, having the package at their door. And I get it, too. You know, I'm, I'm a big Amazon Prime user, just like many others are. But here's what I also believe is we're all social creatures. We all want to be uh, liked and we all want to we all want to like other people. And when retail comes back, this is what I told our team. When retail comes back, we're going to be at the top of the heap because where else are you going to want to go? If you only have so much time that you're going to go out into a shop or you have only so much time that you're going to you know, get in your car and go someplace, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the people who treat you right. You're going to go to the people who have the best products you can you can find. And that's us. And so. Part of what we did out of COVID was uh, to actually use the time to some degree. We were, you know, opportunistic about it and say, hey, we're going to fast forward some technology, some things that we've wanted to do, like we, what we call Click, Pick, Go, which is buy online, pick up in store. When I got to the company, I was told it was going to be a three-year project. We did it in about six weeks when we really set our mind to it. We, it was duct tape and bailing wire, but, but it worked. <laughs> and then, you know, we've added different tender types, as I mentioned, Venmo and Klarna and um, even Apple Pay, which, you know, again, these are all things for a lot of your other listeners and, and guests, I'm sure, that are like, what, what was that, 1995? Um, and, and so we're, we've, we've caught up and we want to make sure that the transactions as seamless, seamless as it can possibly be. We'll be introducing a customer affinity program um, next year. We haven't had loyalty or rewards really to speak of. That will be part of what we're going to be doing in the future, not to get in the way and not just as a promotional matter, but really to take care of our customers and make sure that because they come in, you know, the same people will be coming in in November for their Thanksgiving gift that have been for the last 20 years. And we want to just say, here's your order. (laughs) Make it as easy as possible for them. Pat, that was a, a lot of, of good information, and we appreciate it. A lot of expertise shared here today. Before you know, let you go here, what's your, outside of Seas, of course, what's your, what's your favorite in-location experience outside of Seas that you've seen? And, and I guess what, what, what are the components that make it one of your favorites? Well, you know, the, the, what comes immediately to mind are, actually, I'm a small-town guy from Oregon, and uh, you know, there's a Manzanita Grocery and Deli, which actually I worked at. That was my retail experience before um, <laughs> before coming to Seas. And um, you know, when I go in there, it is kind of family. I know them, they know me, and they've got the things that I want when I'm going to vacation with my family, and they know it, and they 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 know where to direct me. So so that's that's what comes immediately to mind. And the other are you know, really excellent restaurant experiences where you've got, you know, incredibly adept wait staff that are, that are taking care of you and, and uh, may or may, may not have quite the same depth of experience, but, you know, have 
the wonderful uh, experience that you want, as well as the great food and and wine or what have you. Um, so those are a couple of things that come immediately to mind. And, you know, I'd also say the penultimate has been, um, you know, the Nordstrom kind of experience where you just know, regardless of where you're going to go, um, those people are well-trained. They're going to take care of you on the other end of things. And they've got the the lineup of products that that you would want. So kind of at that level. But I will say, you know, there's just it's rarer and rarer, isn't it? You know, there's just, there's that, that love. And I think part of it is because so much has transitioned to e-commerce that uh, you, you just don't find that common experience out there as much as when we were kids. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Pat, thank you so much for your time today. That was, that was excellent. Really appreciate you joining us. And, and I know again, our listeners are going to love this uh, session here. So thank you for your time again. Well, thank you, Bobby. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, what's 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 your home shop, Bobby? We'd love to see you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I would also uh, the other thing that you you got me to go is, is right after this, we're going to go we're going to go to Seeds Candies and buy some some seeds for the team here because you got me hungry. <laughs> right, right <laughs> after lunch. <laughs> you can never you can never go wrong giving people seeds, Bobby. So thank you very much, and uh, look look forward to it, and uh, really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Likewise. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.